Welcome back to another podcast at Coraline Sporting Goods. Hunt hard, talk free. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Ballistics Custom Turrets, the most accurate, affordable, quickest turnaround time for custom turrets in North America. And for this podcast, we've brought in Colin Peters, who happens to be in town for a, a big function that we'll get into. And uh, we're here to discuss one campfire. Thanks for coming in, Colin. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. Um, so tell us what, what brings you to Dawson Creek today. We're uh, in town for our Wild Sheep Society of BC. We have our Northern Convention. So this is our fourth year running the convention. The guys started it uh, four years ago, started off with about 230. We've moved it now over to the Incana Center and we're over 400 and it's sold out in 18 hours. Amazing. I've heard there's some... um I think it could be almost twice that size, just the number of people that are now still talking, oh, I didn't get tickets, I didn't get a table. It's phenomenal, phenomenal event that could be sold out in, in 18 hours. So uh, is there any talk of it growing for the future, or is it logistically tough? Facilities. To, uh, okay. It, it, it revolves around facilities. Like yep. it, uh, where a facility would house a 1,000. Yeah. Uh, right now, they believe that we would probably... Uh, sell 800 tickets. Yeah. The waiting list is as long as the uh, registration list. Awesome. And there's a lots of more people that hear about it. People are coming from as far up north of Fort Nelson. Yep. Uh, to come. So. And and for listeners that aren't aware what uh, the Wild Sheep Society of BC is all about, can you give us a little background on on what they do? Sure. Wild uh, Sheep Society of BC is an affiliate of the Wild Sheep Foundation out of the U.S. We are a registered nonprofit. That we, uh, our mission is to enhance sheep habitat and uh, promote um, the species um, within the, the each of the regions. So in the north, we have salting programs. The south, we tend to have a little bit more uh, prescribed burns and. Movie testing. We have a, the phrase river assessment. Our, our assessment is where we're looking at comparing science from the U.S., science from Canada, and we're trying to find out a little bit more on Movi. Movi, well, uh, most people may not know, is a pathogen that actually is carried in the domestic herds, domestic sheep and domestic goats. Right. And it can be passed along to the wild herds. And the once it gets inside the wild herd, it is um, catastrophic for the wild it, species. It spreads like it wildfire spreads and like wipes wildfire them out. And it wipes them out. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know if we see it so much in the north, the domestic herds getting intertwined with the wild herds, but in the south it's quite prevalent, isn't it? Because the, the herds are coming out of the mountains and, and grazing more where farmers have, have the domestic and stuff. Correct. In the south, where it's more common for the bighorn herds yep. to be closer to uh, ranch lands and populated areas. Yep. But there have been a, a case in Alaska where yep. the first time a finhorn has uh, contracted Movi. Wow. So there are pockets also in the north where there are ranch lands that come in contact or could potentially come in contact. So the research is now just as important in the north as it is in the south. And it affects 
Is it all cloven, cloven foot animals? Like uh, sheep and goats are both affected? That's correct. Yeah, okay. And, and, and it's not problematic for the domestic herds. They can live with it and it doesn't wipe them out, right? That's right. It's a pathogen that they have uh, built up an immunity to it. Yep. But our wild herds, uh, it is completely catastrophic for them. Okay. And these Wild Sheep Society fundraisers, like the one that's occurring tonight in, or tomorrow night in Dawson Creek, um, generate large amounts of revenue for the Sheep Society. And that money, if if I understand correctly, like 100% of it goes back into to fight all these things, right? And, and to improve habitat and stuff. It's, it's not one of those societies where 75% of it used to pay people to do jobs and then a little bit of the money trickles down. It's, it's large chunks of money go directly back into habitat and and these sorts of things the movie that's right last year for 2019 our society uh, was able to place over two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in projects to on the ground projects and uh, specifically in the north the northern convention a hundred percent of the proceeds from this convention stay for northern projects Amazing. so the, these northern fundraisers are for the northern herds Excellent. And that, I think that's what's made it a very popular. Yep. The money is staying here. The money isn't going south or going elsewhere. Right. So is, that is uh, made this event incredibly popular and um, very well attended yeah. throughout the North. Yep. Yeah. I know it's, it's something that, again, us as Coralines, we've been tied in with it for quite some time, whether it's building custom guns or supplying product and stuff. And just we see it as one of the one of the best investments for the great outdoors in the north because it stays here and it, it goes directly right back into our ecosystem. So, excellent. Um, but I guess that's not really the main thing we're here to talk about. You uh, have another organization that, that are you the founder of, of One Campfire? Tell us about One Campfire. One Campfire, One Campfire is a campaign, a campaign under the Wild Sheep Society of BC. Um, back in December 2017, we could see the onslaught of uh, populism where the urban demographic had kind of control of the voting majority. And science-based wildlife management was somewhat discarded. Uh, we could see that they, that some species um, being so heavily uh, researched in science and um, researched but the public opinion was kind of taking charge over the science and that's very it's unfortunate that the there's the uh, public opinion comes from though being so disconnected from their natural environment mm-hmm so urban urbanites living in born and raised in cities that maybe don't get out to the great outdoors on a daily basis or it might not be tied into their way of life are making decisions for the great outdoors across the province based off of emotions instead of science correct yeah yeah that and one campfire is built to um regain our hunting heritage uh regain the hunting narrative and educate the urban demographic of what hunting is uh, in a modern era. Is it relevant in, in modern society? And using our concepts and 
typical uh, language of the past that hunting is conservation doesn't really res resonate anymore. The urban demographic doesn't look and see that as an acceptable means. When we look at, okay, well, what do we, does the urbanite feel is acceptable? How can we make hunting um, acceptable to people that live in the city? So when we can turn the conversation around to food procurement, all of a sudden there's an acceptance. There's almost like an eye-opening and the ears have opened up and they want to know more. Well, how do you do that? So we can talk about the procurement of food and the adventure and the lifestyle and the effort it takes. And then you can bring hunting back around into that. That concept is acceptable. Yep. We've had some customers... <clears throat> whether they're from, well, there's there's a lot that live in this community, and we've even had some from Tumblr Ridge and, and, and other communities where I had one guy come in and he said, I just got my firearms license. Um, I'm looking to buy a gun because I'd like to hunt. My wife is a vegetarian, and she was against eating meat because of factory farming and all those sorts of things, but now she's doing more research into wild game and, and ethical harvesting of, of, of meat to fill the freezer and she's okay with it so she wants me to get into hunting to to provide our family with with food and and just totally changed their perspective as a, as a family um, on on ethical uh, and I think he said it had to do with one of those documentaries like food Inc or one of those factory farming large scale it's it's what it does to the animals, the quality of meat you're getting, the hormone injections, and all those sorts of things that happen in, in the big factory farming that kind of changed, made them look outside of the supermarket to get their, because they grow a garden, they like to have their lettuce and tomatoes and stuff. Well, what else can we do to uh, fill the freezer with, with quality meat? And and I think on the, ups, on the upside, I think there's more of a... Um, there's there's a positive vibe, and I'd say people like Steve Rinella, Joe Rogan, those sorts of people are phenomenal for for the industry and what uh, what they can bring to the table for the positive outlook on hunting and and like you say, food procurement. So I, I think that's an excellent method to to go about. Um, what's your background? Are, are are you a hunter? Were you a hunter? Did you grow up in a hunting family? I am a hunter. Uh, I did not grow up in a hunting family. Where are, you from? Where are you from? I'm from the epicenter of political decision, the Vancouver, the Lower Mainland. So a campaign like One Campfire is my backyard. Uh, I grew up um, with sidewalks around me, but we grew up on motorcycles. So we grew up riding in the, not really the backcountry, logging roads. Yep. The, a far cry from where I go hunting now, but uh, I've always loved the outdoors. And as I was getting older, I was had this desire to get out more, get further back. I didn't know anybody that hunted, and I went through, got my hunting license, got my firearms license, started going out with a few friends here and there. No one really knew what to do other than camping with a weekend with a firearm, really. Yep. And um, it took quite a while before I could kind of make my first harvest where things really turned around. 
And uh, at that point, when it when things really turned around, um, that was only about 15 years ago. So all of a sudden, it's like the light bulb went off, yep. and, and it certainly ignited uh, a desire and a fire within me, a passion that I always liked it, but I didn't realize how much I liked it, how much I enjoyed being outside. Yep. And it's for me now, it's not nearly as much about the harvest. Is it about the adventure of being outside? Yep. Um, I'd like to say I would take, I would still do the backcountry even without a firearm, but there's a there's a connection there that uh, makes us or lets us go back further. And uh, the further back the adventure, the more enticing it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would fully agree. And it's one of those things that's tough to explain to someone that has never experienced it, what it's all about. And they... Eh, and, and like you say, it's it's not about the kill. It's about the experience, the adventure, um, and just the knowledge that a person needs to learn to be able to, I don't want to say outsmart, but to be able to actually harvest an animal. Animals are not stupid creatures. They've got heightened senses. They can see better than we can see. They can hear better than we can hear. They can smell you a mile away. And so um, there is definitely a sense of accomplishment when you do harvest the animal because you have risen above and... and and whether it's outsmarted or however you want to put it, um, it takes years of knowledge. And I mean, I was lucky enough to go with three guys that were seasoned sheep hunters on my first sheep hunt last year and successfully harvested a sheep. And everybody says the year you start hunting is the year your sheep's born. So you'll have like eight years of hunting before you actually get one. And, and I mean, if it wasn't for the knowledge of the people I was with, guaranteed wouldn't have got one. I would have hiked up into the same exact spot and looked around and probably looked over a bunch of animals and continued hiking and and uh, not put in enough time sitting and glassing and, and all the different things that they had so much to teach me, but just the whole adventure, the hiking 15K uh, to get into a spot on trails that no one had been down in 10, 15 years that were completely overgrown, just the, the adventure was phenomenal. And getting into country that I've never seen countryside like it before. I mean, born and raised in this area, living in the great outdoors, hunting all the time, really different from heading up north into the mountains and getting above the tree lines and, and hunting. It's just, it's it's surreal and as, as amazing as you can... Like you say, the further back you get, the better it is. Um, so no, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so one campfire story. What it, what's, what's the purpose of one campfire? If you had to break down one campfire into... You got a two-minute pitch. What is it? We're going to uh, educate the urban demographic. Uh, for the most part, um, many people, most of the population has a very misconstrued concept and idea of what hunting is. They have some old imagery of a couple of backcountry characters and uh, shooting at whatever comes crawling across the landscape. They have no concept of our rules, of regulations, bag limits. So we need to educate what hunting really is. And unfortunately, we have not told our story. The non-hunting public has gotten their story from the anti-hunting side and telling false stories and not telling the whole story, not providing any of our provincial science. Yep. When we talk about science, this isn't hunter science. This is provincial science. This is provincial employees, provincial 
registered professional biologists that study wildlife and come up with um, the bag limits and seasons and all the regulations around it. The hunting community has no part of that. Sustainability. Correct. The sustainability yeah. is not mentioned yeah. to the urban demographic. Mm-hmm. So we have to start, where did we lose that connection? It's, it's hard to say. It was lost a long time ago. Uh, one possible link that we look at is in the early 80s, 80, 81, 82-ish. Yep. The core program, which is still the foundation of getting your hunting license in, in British Columbia, that core program was removed out of elementary schools, out of, out of the school curriculum. And at that point, there was a sharp decline. There was a f- number of other factors along with that. But when you take hunting out of the, your daily life, mm-hmm. there's no more relevancy. Yep. When the kids stop talking about it at home, it's not important anymore. So over time, we kind of have lost that narrative. What were the numbers that you were mentioning last night? You had a graph showing while the core system was in the school system, was it BC or was it Canada? That was BC. It was up at 100 and... 174,000 in approximately 81, 82. Hunters. Hunt, uh, registered licensed hunters. Yeah. Hunting licenses issued. Yep. With a population of about one, 2.1. Yep. 2.1 million. So... Jumping forward to uh, today, uh, 18 and 19, we have a population of like 5.1 million with about a hundred and four, hundred and five thousand licensed hunters. Wow. So there's a huge... Over double the population. Over double the population. And almost half. And almost half the licensed hunters. Yep. That's a huge difference. Um, Some questions do come in there about sustainability had there been four times as many hunters and pressure on animals in different areas and stuff like that but um but it's still if we're on a downward we're on a decline in hunters right it's continuing to to drop and drop and drop and um more as more people move to the cities and get into the city life like we notice it that a lot of youth in small northern communities may not stick around and they'll head to the cities and join that lifestyle as well. So I see it on a continual decline unless something changes. That's right. Yeah. And one campfire is bringing the relevancy of hunting to city life. Uh, in the cities, adventure is popular. Yep. Um, everybody likes a great adventure. Farm markets are big, popular, huge. Yep. Um, organic is, is a concept that many urbanites um, f- fall after and uh, follow. They love the concept of clean eating. So when we can wrap the concept of hunting, that can resonate. We have had been doing a terrible job at portraying our image into the modern era. The modern era is social media. Social media for the hunting space certainly hasn't been any advantage. Far too often, posts and photos are used that shouldn't be placed online. And once that image is out there, it's gone forever. Private hunting groups aren't private. Mm -hmm. Uh, Social media is not your space. 
It is. It's public. It's completely public. Yep. And what happens once those images are, are released, you, you never know where they're going to wind up. Yeah. And with the spread of information with social media, I think hunting versus anti-hunting is one of those things, just like in politics, left versus right, is, they're becoming more polar and people aren't looking for a common ground. It's me versus you. And it, it, it seems to be the pushes dividing even more because of social media even though the information's out there uh people aren't looking to learn and get educated they i have a stance and i want to push my stance if i'm an anti-hunter or a pro hunter and rub it in the other side's face and it, it, and that can be with those negative images and things like that the take PETA's logo and put it on my kill yeah. and that sort of thing and that's just separating the people as opposed to trying to do what one campfire is trying to do and show that you know what we all at the end of the day if you enjoy the great outdoors we all come back to one campfire right doesn't That's matter right. doesn't matter if you're riding a, a mountain bike doesn't matter if you're hiking doesn't matter if you're fishing doesn't matter if you're you're on a hunt what, whatever at the end of the day we all come back to one campfire and we all enjoy the great outdoors and we all want to see it there for our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids to be able to enjoy as well and so I, I think one campfire is an excellent first step in in a you know the wild west of social media because right now that's kind of what social media is there is no control or anything like that people can do whatever they want say whatever they want post whatever they want and uh and it, it gives some excellent guidelines some moral and and positive guidelines for the all outdoor enthusiasts um so that's what your message is and how are you getting your message across to the populations so your, your your audience for the most part is the urbanites it's focused on the, the the city folk i mean being a bc organization you're focusing on kind of vancouver and the okanagan correct vancouver victoria Kelowna. okay are, are the primary uh markets yep we the hunting industry the hunting space has always been somewhat reactive they in past have been chasing bad stories bad media bad imagery trying to explain, trying to quantify, no, that's not true. Uh, chasing after um, a bad reputation is impossible. The reputation is already there. Yep. So one campfire is going to be proactive. Let's get out in front and create positive imagery. Let's create some positive media. So the very piece of media that uh, some people, a lot of people say that was the demise of hunting, social media, we are using social media to design and build content where we can place it right at our demographic. Using social media with a short clips, we can design the campaign and uh, include and exclude a number of different factors, a number of different characteristics. So we can include the people in the outdoor space, whether it be paddling or mountain biking or backcountry skiing. We can include those people, and we can also exclude. So we don't really want to be talking any to the, the anti-hunting people. That's a conversation that we just won't get anywhere. So their mind's leave, made up. Let's yeah, their yep. mind is made up. Let's leave that one for another time. Yep. There's a huge chunk in the middle, the eighty to ninety percent of the population that just don't care. Sorry, yep. they just don't know. Right. They don't know because they haven't heard a message from the hunting side that resonates with them. Right, and that's what one campfire is. We're gonna to have to create content. We have to pay attention 
to their urban demographic of what they want to see. What do you want to see and what imagery do you find acceptable? Yep. And so while the imagery of one campfire uh, may or may not be hunter-esque, it isn't designed for the hunting community. It's designed for the non-hunting community. So the market demographic will look at the content, look at our platforms, and we see some resemblance to the lifestyle that they are after. The rock climbing or backcountry work. When they look at the brand and see the imagery that they partake in, they start looking into a little bit more. We try to first gain the respect of the outside community, outdoor community. Then we have to bring content that they would like to see. Yep. And then we can talk about the advantages and specifically food procurement. Yep. And then we can bring in the hunting concept. The concept of my wild harvest, my procurement of food, my choice to selectively harvest from the bounty of our outdoors. Yep. And that has respect. But we have to learn how to communicate better. And that is what every hunter could do, is that if a lot of the hunting community hasn't done a great job of being efficient communicators. Right. When do you think... <clears throat> hunting became vilified because if, if you look back in time, hunting was one of the original forms of gathering food. I mean, hunting, gathering, right? You were picking berries and, and you were killing animals because that was the only way to survive. And so, I mean, it's it goes as deep as deep can be in our roots. Uh, and at what point did everything change and hunting become the redneck in the pickup truck swigging beers and shooting anything that moves? What? Where did that change occur? What are your thoughts? False imagery. Yep. Um, cartoons. Yep. Pretend. <clears throat> uh, a disconnection with wildlife and how wildlife really reacts. Um, the natural world isn't a warm and fuzzy place. No. It is brutally... Um, uh, br- brutally... Um, beating on each other yeah they uh it it isn't what a lot of mainstream media tries to portray it of being soft and cuddly yeah because it has fur and eyelashes doesn't mean it's cuddly and that's a lot of the imagery that we see yeah and that imagery is posted and directed to the urban centers yep so when did cartoons have a role in it yeah um moving from a rural lifestyle to an urban lifestyle yep. when you no longer saw um, harvest being done. You never saw food being procured. You never saw beef. Your food yep. now came on a plastic tray. Yeah, I can just go buy it at Safeway. What, what do you mean? That's an right. animal didn't die for this. I bought it in Safeway. And, and people aren't thinking <clears> of <throat> what that steak really is or what that How did chicken get breast is. Yep. That's just a nicely portioned perfectly shaped piece of meat they have they don't think of how it actually got into this plastic tray yeah and when did that start happening yeah that's a few decades ago it's been a slow decline yeah and the the hunting community has never stepped out in front and started to be proactive i also think if if 
the the more we discuss it, the more things you bring up there. I think back three or four generations ago when my my grandparents or great grandparents couldn't afford to just go and buy anything and everything. I think we live in most of us today aren't concerned about being able to go down and buy a pack of hot dogs. We can do that if we need to. You can go down and buy it and we can afford it where you rewind the clock. They made all their own clothes. They grew all their own vegetables in the garden. You were you went to school till about grade eight. Then you worked on the farm or, or the apple orchard or whatever. And it wasn't... People didn't have the expendable income to just go out to a restaurant every night if they need to to, to have a bite to eat. So as as the need to hunt dropped off, that probably all ties in with it as well. I can just go down to 7-Eleven and pick up a, a hot dog, or I can hit up the local restaurant and grab a bite to eat. I don't need to hunt for food anymore, so with that and the, the cute, cuddly eyelash animals on TV with human voices and stuff, it, it, it all ties in, really. There isn't, doesn't seem to be one thing that set it all off. It's just been a, a cultural change, so... It's excellent that organizations like the Wild Sheep Society, like One Campfire, are working together to get to bring a positive message back. So you guys have videos on social media. Are, what platforms are you on right now? We are on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Okay. And we also have uh, a YouTube channel. Okay. So all of our content, we have three long-form videos. Mm -hmm. A long-form is approximately 7 to 12 minutes. And we have uh, our shorts, we're mm -hmm. vignettes. The vignettes are purposely built for social media. And the our messaging really happens on social media. Okay. That, that's where the bulk of our, it's a digital campaign. There's no print, there's no newspaper ads, there's no print where people can read um, a brochure. It is viewed on our website and then directed to social media. For the most part, the most urban demographic, in our demographic, information is um, brought onto them via their social media feeds. So they don't even use websites anymore. Websites aren't used like they were 10, 15 years ago. Right. The website holds our platform, holds our content, but how we gain attention and how we... Um, place our content into our viewers is social media mm -hmm. and who's your intended audience uh, urban uh, people that love the outdoors yep that uh, age group is from 24 to 44 yep that um, see a connection to organic self-sustaining um, adventure and healthy eating. Yeah. So your typical hunter will probably not see your content organically pop, pop up on our social media posts. So if we want to check out what you're doing, see your videos and stuff, um, we can... What, what's the best way to see your content? Through our website. Okay. The website will hold all of our content. You can look at our social media channels. They will hold, hold our content... But to get the full grasp of our content and more of the narrative behind one campfire, you need to head to our website. And follow you on social and media. And follow us on social media. Because if we follow you, then we'll get to see your content Correct. pop up. Because we're a follower. And uh, so follow one campfire and then share it as well. So if, if you push it out to your friends and they push it out to their friends, it's about getting the message out there. And even though 
we as outdoorsmen, hunters, those sorts of things aren't who the targeted audiences are. We probably know people that will see our posts and our friends' friends' posts and stuff and can help push, push the positive message out there. Correct. Like The hunting space uh, has a bit of a new responsibility now. We all can share in posting hunting in a positive light. And that is through your dialogue, that's through your conversations with your work, uh, co-workers and peers, and that can work also in your posting on social media. Yep. Think about the imagery before you post it. Think of the content and the captions that you write before you post. So do you also want um, people to be tagging you guys in their outdoor posts? Sure. Okay. They certainly can. So they, if, if I have a, a cool hiking picture, my family and I hiking out in the Pine Pass or something like that, hashtag one campfire or at one campfire and tie you guys into our social media as well, like in our daily outdoor lives as well. Exactly. That's how the brand can be shared. Um, and that post, whether it comes from an individual that is a hunter or not, doesn't matter. Right. The brand one campfire is to bring us all together. Yep. So we need the hunting community to learn and recognize what is appropriate content to post, and we'd love to see those. Yep. What are the, Those are images of all the imagery that we love of the outdoors. The scenic shots, the family shots, the shots of the unique places that we go, the incredible landscape, the critters that we get to see in the backcountry. Yep. All of those photos, um, that imagery resonates with our demographic, uh, the, the urban demographic that loves the outdoors. Everybody loves to see a great looking sunset, a great waterfall, or a mountaintop view. Yeah. Yeah. So, number one, and then campfire, correct? Not O-N-E campfire. Correct. Number one. The number one. Campfire. Campfire. I just want to put that out there so everybody yes. knows that it's one, the number, and then campfire. Hashtag or at one at. campfire. And, uh, excellent. Um, so how can, how uh, the audience of, of this podcast is more your, your, your hunting demographic. How can we as outdoorsmen help out? Um, aside from sharing. Aside from sharing. Yeah. Be ambassadors for the brand. And then what does it mean to be ambassador? It means um, create imagery that resonates with the greater non-hunting public. Be cognizant of what you're posting. Of You're posting is out and forever and when you can post content that can uh, resound with everybody when a, a great wide audience can look at the photos and like and enjoy it that is how the hunting community can make hunting relevant in the modern eyes gotcha. a, another piece is that we are working on monetizing the brand more some funding mechanisms where we're looking at the hunting community to help support. Mm -hmm. When asked from our hunting community, how much would you contribute to a campaign that is for your hunting heritage? How much would you contribute to ensure that you can hunt and your family can hunt and your kids can hunt and your grandkids? And a lot of people have no problem with $10 a month. Mm -hmm. So every licensed hunter in the province can do $100, $120 a year. 
Mm -hmm. And that can be done through your game clubs. That can be through private donations directly to the campaign. Yep. And it can be done through a, a program that we're going to be building, the retail donation program, where retailers like Coralanes can will be asking their clients, their customers, if they wish to donate to one campfire. Yep. Now, the customer needs to understand what this is and what it's about and whether they want to donate at this particular time. Right. But that is how, on a small scale, those small purchases, a couple extra dollars. Yep. $10 a month, uh, the vast majority of people will spend two or three times that buying coffees yeah. each month. Yep. So $10, $10 a month really is not very much. Yep. And that's what we're, we're looking at, that $10 per month. Let's not look at the big picture. Let's look at what you can do on a regular basis. And so <clears throat> is there a, a donate here button on your website or anything like that that people, if they want to put their credit card info in and do a lump sum donation, can? There is okay. a donate here portion on the website, um, or they can contact us directly with uh, info at onecampfire.com. They can go through a number of the game clubs uh, throughout the province and sportsmen's clubs have internal campaigns, okay. have already internally set some uh, programs up. Yep. They can make um, direct deposits. There's a numerous different mechanisms to um, contribute. And on the business side, uh, we are looking at brand sponsorship. Brand sponsorship is where businesses outside of the hunting community can sponsor one campfire as the brand so another goal of one campfire is to demonstrate that everyday people are part of this outdoor lifestyle are yep. part of a greater group that actually hunts for yep. themselves it isn't just um the one individual that they have this ugly stereotype of it can be the doctors and lawyers. It can be the business owners. It can be the crane operators. It can be the school teacher. It can be the logging truck operators. It doesn't matter. We're trying to um, legitimize the brand across our entire population. Yep. So if, if any listener out there has a business that they'd like to be a, a brand sponsor for one campfire, they can reach out to you and they'll get some advertising and, and co-branded type stuff. Absolutely. Oh. Yep. You can reach us out on either one of our social platforms, yep. um, Instagram, Facebook, or on uh, through our website. The There's a link there about more information and or a direct email at info at onecampfire.com. Excellent. Perfect. Well, that's awesome. That uh, kind of covers all, all the questions I had about One Campfire and definitely something worth uh, Coralanes is going to be working with One Campfire to see what we can do to, to help generate a little income as well because these videos uh, that you guys are putting out are high quality videos. They're well done and they definitely can't be cheap because they're, they're, they grab your attention and uh, I think you're doing an excellent job. I've watched, I think, I think I've watched all of them um, but with a very diverse demographic that you're using in your videos and stuff. They're, they're awesome. Very well, very well written, very well shot. The imagery within them is excellent. Whether it's the, the boat, the hunt, the, 
the vegan that moved up north yeah. that that is looking at the lifestyle and stuff. It's you, you guys are doing a wonderful job. And so if you haven't seen any of the One Campfire videos yet, I highly recommend checking them out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or the YouTube page, uh, or go directly to the website. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at Corlanes. I can gladly redirect it if you have, want to talk directly. And uh, let's do what we can to keep the backcountry open and, and get everybody out there and enjoying the, the great outdoors. Anything else that you want to throw out before we, we wrap it up? Uh we're often asked well, from the hunting community that what can we do? They, they recognize, and, and it starts, it really starts in the little steps at home. We have to look at, there's, we have a serious imagery problem. And we have, we have an imagery problem as a whole. And what can you do daily? There is a lot that individuals can do daily to ensure their hunting heritage. And that's the little steps like that that create a conception of acceptance for the brand um, one De one campfire into the urban demographic. They we need to show that we respect everybody. Yep. Not just hunting community to hunting community. We respect everybody. Yep. And that's an important concept that we need to portray. Yep. Is we are different a very diversified group, and we want to show that. Um, common diversification and the common goal of our love of the outdoors. Yep. Excellent. So, onecampfire.com.ca. Dot com. Dot com. Onecampfire.com, social media. And remember, it's number one and campfire. And uh, we'll put the posts up on the video too and have links to their sites uh, with this podcast. Thank you very much for coming in today, Excellent. Colin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Yep. And we'll we'll see you tomorrow night at the event, at the Wild Sheep Society event. We'll see you tomorrow evening. Perfect. Good. How do you feel that went?